The following Dharma discourse was given by Jeffrey Shugan Arnold at Zen Mountain Monastery. Shugan Roshi is the head of the Mountains and Rivers Order and abbot of the monastery. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmn.org. Thank you for listening. Oh, good morning, everyone. Morning. Morning, Osho. I had mentioned that we were going to do this, and she forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Or didn't forget. So first, I just wanted to um, express my own gratitude for... I've been on retreat for the last three weeks. um, And I can only do that because of the teachers and the staff and residents... And um, I was aware of that every day. And so I'm thankful to all of you um, for taking care of everything and, and allowing me to do that. You know, before all of this, I was more of a solitary guy than a group kind of guy. <laughs> and so um, <clears throat> having those periods of times where I'm more in solitude and and just practicing, doing my practice, continuing to develop, that um, is, has, continues to be as important as it was in the beginning, maybe more so. And so I'm grateful for being able to do that. And it's good to be here with you again. So as you know, most of you, we, this week was a week of um, Denkai, transmission of the Kai for Sean. And in our lineage, Denkai is a priestly transmission, so it's only for ordained people. And it is, uh, for some people, it might be a complete unto itself. That's really the end of their formal training. And they continue to live and serve as a priest. And for others, it might be um, the first of the transmissions that leads to full Dharma transmission. In our lineage, that's divided into several steps. And so this is the first step for Sean in that, which will eventually lead to Dharma transmission. And Don Roshi often used to mention that many of the sort of rites of passage and ceremonies that we do have a public nature. When somebody becomes a student, Jakai is very public, ordinations, Shusa Hosen, and this is very different. It's very private. Um, the only people involved are the teacher, the successor. Hojin Sensei served as the precepts teacher during the week, and Gokan was the attendant. So really just the four of us, um, working mostly in the Buddha Hall. And that sort of seclusion, and in fact the ceremony which took place last night, harkens back to the story of Huanong, the sixth ancestor, who came to study with the fifth ancestor without any of the sort of normal credentials. He was said to be illiterate. He was a layperson. He uh, knew nothing about Buddhism, but had already gained some insight. And so when Hongren transmitted to him, it's said that he did that in, in the nighttime in, a, in the rice shed, which was a secluded place, and so that tradition has been maintained in the sort of a cloistering of that space 
the windows are shrouded, the walls are covered, and it's really only takes place within the those few people. And there's something very beautiful about that, very wonderful, very powerful about that. So I'll say a little bit more about that later, but what I wanted to say a few words about is a fascicle of Master Dogen's, do no evil or do no harm. Because in Denkai, the transmission of the precepts, um, these are practices and teachings that anyone can gain access to. Almost any practitioner of Buddhism encounters the moral teachings that are present in all the traditions. It's part of the three essential trainings, the shila, the the moral teachings, developing samadhi, calming the mind, and cultivating wisdom. And here, this shohan received transmission of the precepts. So what is that? How is that different? And what is it about the precepts, these moral teachings, that we can encounter as beginning students that really can be understood by anybody? Most of them, apart from Buddhism. What is it about them that deserves or requires a transmission for those who go to that part of their training. <clears throat> so in that fascicle, Dogen quotes the Buddha, and this is a phrase that is used over and over in Buddhism, to do no harm, to practice the good, and purify your mind. These are the teachings of the Buddha. And Dogen says, this teaching has been authentically transmitted from earlier Buddhas to later Buddhas of the future as the seven original Buddha's common precepts in the ancestral school. Later Buddhas received these precepts from earlier Buddhas. But this teaching is not limited to the seven original Buddhas. These are the seven past Buddhas that we chant before we get to Shakyamuni Buddha's name, as we did this morning. Those are said to be the Buddhas that have existed in other eons in this universe that we live in. So Dogen says, this teaching is not limited to those past seven Buddhas. It is the teaching of all Buddhas. Thoroughly investigate this point. Thoroughly investigate these precepts. And when Dogen himself went to China and, and enlightened his mind and received the transmission from Zhu Jing, this is what he received. He received a transmission of the Bodhisattva precepts. To do no harm, to practice the good, purify your mind. It sounds so easy, right? I mean, let's just do that. <laughs> I mean, almost all religious traditions say to basically do no harm, be good, be kind, and to, to get on with it, right? And in Buddhism, the mind is originally undefiled. So that's already taken care of, this purification of the mind. <laughs> So, like, what's the problem here? <laughs> we meet these precepts at the very beginning. They guide us in what to do, what not to do, what are the ways in which we create the most binding karma, what are the ways in which we create the most harm. And it's important to note that to do no harm and practice good there is then studying and training and purifying the mind. They can't be separated. That's why it may sound easy, but it's not. That's why we can't just decide, I'm not going to ever 
misspeak, say a harmful thing, act selfishly or with anger because it's too embedded within us. We have too many habits of mind and body and thought. We have created much karma, the fruit of which lives on in us and shows up in various moments. And so we train. We train in these precepts. They are training precepts. We learn to take responsibility, without which we can't even, we can't be here, we can't do this, unless we're willing to take responsibility for ourselves. We study karma, the nature of causation. The Buddha said we cannot really practice, we cannot move along this path unless we begin to understand the nature of causation. How can we expect to shift these deeply embedded cycles that we all see within our own lives if we don't understand them, if we don't see how we are actively creating them and recreating them? Dadaroshi said these precepts are not to bind you, but to help you be free. And um, as I was preparing for this week and last night, and um, I was looking through some of the old, because I have all of Dadaroshi's material, and I was looking through his, his teachings and his own transmission documents, and I found a document that was handwritten by Soen Nakagawa, who was Dado's first teacher, although he didn't study with him very long, and was an important teacher in, in bringing the Dharma to the West. And it was a handwritten um, giving of the precepts to a, a woman who was here in the very early years. I never knew her, but I recognized her name. And at the very bottom of them, he said, these precepts are not intended to bind you, but to make you free. <laughs> so I thought that's where, I wonder if that's where he heard that. Dharashi heard that. So as we train in these precepts or encounter these teachings, we begin to see what's really going on. We begin to see that the whole body and mind, the past, present, and future, that the individual, that the world we live in, our families, the societies that make up our world, all of this is involved. All of this is part of it. It's not just a matter of me doing what I should do and not doing what I should not do. As though I stand in some way separate and independent from everything. And so in a sense, it begins to become very real. To do no harm, to practice the good. We begin to realize there is no getting away with it. Can I get away with this? Right? That that's just a, a deception we tell ourselves. We are the, as the Buddha said, we are the heirs to our own actions. And so we study, we examine, we gain understanding, we become intimate with this mind and purify what has never been, un, what has never been defiled. And the more we practice, the more we become aware of, remember, see more honestly and clearly the impact of our negativity, past and present. And the more we practice, the more we see how, we, how much we can bring benefit to the world, how much influence we have. This is the teaching of the Buddhas, Dogen says, thoroughly examine this. And so Denkai re re requires all of these years of training 
both to practice the precepts in this way that we all understand, to work with our karma, to work with others, to transform our lives, and to live these teachings in all of our relations so we can stop creating harm, hurting ourselves and hurting others, planting the seeds of our own sorrow and regret, also that we can, not just so that we can not create harm, but so that we can do good. You know, it's not like, as I've said before, it's not like, you know, you've been invited to this amazing party and you go in and it's great because nobody's creating any harm. But nobody's having fun, right? <laughs> Nothing good is happening. It's just not creating harm. That's not what we're seeking. They have to work together, and so we learn how to bow and serve, to bring forth our compassion, loving kindness, our sympathetic joy, our equanimity. We learn how to be a Buddha, not by gaining knowledge, but by doing it, by living, by being that person, in a sense, we've been waiting for. But again, every Jakai student makes commitments to this, they do it publicly. Will you maintain this? Yes, I will. The Sangha is witness to that. And receiving Denkai doesn't mean, or Dharma transition, doesn't mean that the priest or the teacher will never misspeak or misthink or misact. And at the same time, we should expect a clear shift, a diminishing of those negative patterns and an a flourishing, a bringing forth of all of the good. But again, most sincere students are practicing these, living these. Is there more? Dogen says, harmful action is the manifestation of one of the three natures. Good action nature, harmful action nature, neutral action nature. And the Buddha taught that everything that we experience, that we perceive, we experience as either being positive, negative, or neutral. Pleasurable, painful, or neutral, or indifferent. Dogen says, the harmful action nature is unborn, just as the good action nature and neutral action nature are unborn. These are non-defiled and are reality. However, these three natures manifest in various ways. And there's the catch. (laughs) that these natures, and this is an essential part of understanding morality in Buddhism, why it's inextricable, why it's completely interdependent with wisdom and compassion and all of the forms of training, that that which is harmful, that which is good, is unborn. In other words, it doesn't exist in any place or person. It is not a thing. It does not have characteristics that are fixed. Those characteristics of good and evil don't exist within people or things. Nothing has that quality. Nothing has that characteristic of having a fixed, permanent, independent, self-existing quality or characteristics. That's what the Buddha realized. Being unborn means a good action. What we perceive as a good action, what we perceive as a negative action, ultimately is unborn. That means that quality, that aspect, is not a result of any action. Being unborn means it doesn't live anywhere. When we act badly, we act badly. That's a harmful action that has harmful consequences. The person is not bad. 
the action itself doesn't contain an essence, a solid existence of something substantial that is graspable and is bad. It's based in the realization of emptiness. The great way is perfect like vast space. And at the same time, as Dogen says, these natures, painful and pleasurable, manifest in various ways. There is harmful action. There is evil in the world. There is greed and anger and fear and hatred. We know that. Buddhism knows that. The Buddha knew that. That's never been denied. It's always been recognized as true. And that that exists in the same moment, in the same place, in the same person, in the same action, as that which is unborn. That's what we call prajnaparamita, the non-dual dharma. Dogen says, when you listen, study, and practice, and realize unsurpassable enlightenment, it is deep and vast and wondrous. And you learn this either by following a teacher or following a sutra. First, you understand it as do no harmful action. So in a sense, that's what we have to start doing from the beginning. If we want to stop experiencing suffering, the Buddha said we have to stop creating it. So first, we have to understand it as do no harmful action. If we do not understand it as do no harmful action, it's not Buddha Dharma, but it's the speech of demons. And so we practice recognizing, taking responsibility for, atoning, forgiving those actions in ourselves and others. So what Dogen is speaking about, what the Buddha Dharma speaks about, is that our understanding, our ordinary understanding of morality, do this and don't do that, is sort of being behavior-bound. Just control your thoughts, just control your words, just control your actions. That that's not liberating. It's better than being out of control, <laughs> that's for sure. We could use a little bit of that control. But it's ultimately not liberating. Because we're still, it's still based in an idea that is deluded, that things still have their own power. There will still be people who are good and people who are bad. And we will want to be close to the people who are good, and we will want to hate the people who are bad. So Dogen says, do no harmful action. This is not what ordinary people first interpret it to mean. Although it may sound like it, when we hear enlightenment expounded as a teaching, we understand in this way because it is an expression of enlightenment. It is words of enlightenment, therefore it is spoken enlightenment. Moved by what is spoken and heard, that is, by enlightened teachings, you vow to do no harmful action and practice refraining from harmful action. So we can look at this as the practice of being aware, taking responsibility, living these precepts in the way that we can all understand them, and at the same time, working towards realizing no harmful action, the unborn, which is ultimately what the Buddha realized and is confirmed generation after generation is what liberates. 
Dogen says, this very person at this very moment abides in the place and comes from and goes to the place where no harmful action is created. That's why Dogen said it's the abiding place of all Buddhas. It's our nature already. That's why, fundamentally, each of us, in and of ourselves, is peaceful, is no harmful action. That's our nature. That's why practice is not to create a state of not doing harm. Although we do practice that, but of ultimately realizing that basic nature, we call it Buddha nature, which is fundamentally peaceful. Can't be created, it's unborn. Dogen says, no harmful action is created, although the person appears to be, and the person here is you and me, although the person appears to be faced with the conditions of creating harmful action or of associating with those who create harmful action. Oops. This is where we're challenged. How do we manifest this great selfless compassion when we're in conditions that are conducive to create harm? We're in the midst of people who are actively creating harm. That's why Dogen said this kind of study is to realize the koan, the koan of non-duality, the koan of liberation, the koan of self and other are one. And so he says we work at it from the host, from the place of emptiness, when we work at it from the guest, from within the relative world. And since it is like this, we cannot escape, we cannot escape regretting that we have done what was not done or what was not to be done. And this, too, is the power of our working at doing no harmful action. And so here, Dogen, is, as has been taught all the way down, there's the acknowledgement of all of the madness and craziness that we do. Small, large, internally, externally. And at the same time, that fundamentally within every aspect, that none of that is inherent. Evil does not exist in the world as a force. Good does not exist in the world as a force. If it did, then it would make sense to lock your doors, double lock them, don't let anybody in. Right? But what that means is that it is imminently and eminently workable. Because it's not a thing. It's not out there. And this is true of practicing good. The good action is a manifestation of one of the three natures. Although there are many varieties of good action, there's no good action that is already actualized and waiting for somebody to practice it. It's not like it's just sitting there on the corner waiting for you to come by and pick it up. And that would be good. Though he says, although myriads of good actions are formless, all of them, they arrive at the place where good action is done faster than a magnet draws iron. Its power is stronger than the great wind that blows at the end of the eon. This is the power of good. The great earth, mountains, rivers, the lands of the world, or the increasing power of action cannot hinder the intentional encounter of good. And so what he's saying is that the power of good is like a force stronger than a magnet drawing iron. It's funny that we 
don't doubt the power of harmful actions of evil, but we can doubt the power of good. And so I wanted to speak a little bit about these things to give a sense of why this transmission of the precepts that we encounter very early, we receive as Chikai students very early, and then really, however our training evolves, we really spend the rest of our lives training in understanding the depth and breadth of what these teachings are. That they are at once, don't do harm. Do what is good. And at the same time and in the same place, containing all of the teachings of the Buddha Dharma and are the, the manifestation of our ultimate liberation. And so with Denkai, priestly transmission, Sean will is empowered to serve the Sangha through liturgy, through uh, weddings, funerals, newborn ceremonies, any of those important ways in which we serve each other. She'll continue to offer interview. And when the time is right, she'll begin taking students. She'll continue as she and, and uh, Gokhan as Dharma holder will continue to work with the other teachers and serve the Sangha in that way. Um, that's why we meet in what we call the Teachers Council every week, beginning of each week, to talk and check in and see what's going on and what do we need to be attending to. And it's you know, one of the rites of passage, obviously, and it's a clear continuation and a fruit of all that has led to this. And it's also, in many ways, a new beginning. It is a birth of something new. And so I, I was going to mention some of the things I thought I would pitch to you, but I forgot. <laughs> That's why I thought we weren't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. So I thought if you... Um, just so we can hear from you a little bit, of, like how, for instance, these precepts, these teachings have evolved for you. Um, this week of training, which is quite intense. Um, what that was like. Are you the same? Are you different? <laughs> what is it that you received in Dharma transmission, precepts transmission? The thing that's coming up for me really strong right now is um, the thoroughgoing and live embodiment of training and practice. And that it's not a head trip. It's like the whole situation. And that by like whole situation, like there's nothing that isn't touched. And um, I guess I was feeling the, uh, because of its private nature, I I didn't know anything really about what to expect. Um, And I had ideas based on things that I'd heard. And, you know, really to tell you the truth, I'm totally still like in the midst Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So I don't have like perspective yet. You're in it with me. <laughs> it's happening live. Um, and so, so uh, uh, I guess what I would say is um, it, for me, affirms the Dharma and the reality of um, any sense that we may have or that you may have that like this life is like so much more magical and alive and rich and connected and brilliant and mysterious and amazing and filled with possibility and has so much potential. Any sense, whether that's just a little flicker in you right now or um, something you've staked your life on, any sense you have of that, please follow it. So, um, maybe that's enough for now. <laughs> Reporting from within. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to just end with how Dogen ended this fascicle with a well-known story of an extraordinary poet as Dogen speaks of this person, Juyi, who went to a Zen master and said, what is the essential meaning of Buddha Dharma? And the master Daolin said, refrain from unwholesome action and do wholesome action. And Juyi said, if that's so, a three-year-old child could say this. And Daolin said, a three-year-old child could say it, but even an 80-year-old person cannot practice it. And Dogen, Dogen goes on to say that Daolin did not understand, or rather Juyi did not understand Daolin's words. That he understood, perhaps rightly, that it is difficult to refrain from our negative habits. It is not always easy to do what is helpful and beneficial. But that Dalin was saying that and something much more profound. Dogen says, the teacher felt sorry that Juyi did not understand this three-year-old child who understood Meanwhile, did not understand that the words of the three-year-old child hit the mark. And so he said, Dogen, thoroughly study these words. Even an 80-year-old person cannot practice it. The Buddha could not. And then Dogen said, the child's expression is entrusted to you. It is not entrusted to the child the old person's practice of the unattainable is entrusted to you. It is not entrusted to that old person. To understand, speak, and live in this way is the point of Buddha Dharma. And I think this very nicely echoes what Shon Osho, Osho means priest, was saying 
all of this, all of the brilliant and all of the ordinary, which we so easily miss because we see it as ordinary and therefore don't see it, that all of this is entrusted not to the child, not to the old person, not to the person sitting next to you, but to you. A beginning practitioner holds that in their way. A training student holds it in their way. A monastic or lay senior holds it in their way. A priest, a dharma, or an abbot holds it in their way. Holds that entrustment. For what purpose? To do no harm, to practice the good, and to purify the mind. I pray that we live this. Thanks so much for listening. For meditation supplies such as cushions, incense, liturgical instruments, dharma books, and more, visit monasterystore.org. Support for your spiritual practice at home.